0: This is One Heat Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll.
1: What's your name? Wayne? Bro, Look like gang bangers, working the local 7-Eleven either. Robbery, homicides, take care. Give me all you got! This and- Give me all you
0: got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. i trying to stop guys like you. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's L.A. Crime Opus Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I'm your host, Blake Howard. And joining me today for the 105th minute of Michael Mann's 1995 Crime Opus Heat is the editor-in-chief of the Chicago-based website, Consequence of Sound. Um, who wrote these lovely lines. Um, (laughs) Michael Mann's ADHD predilection to random objects, which is one of my favourite turns of phrase that I've ever read. Um, And uh, he's also, uh, his site that he is the editor of, um, named Heat the number one in the Consequences Sound ranking of all Michael Mann films. So you know... That this is a guy who's using his editorial power for good and not evil. <laughs> um, in one of his notes about Michael Mann in the story, he wrote, It's just uh, it's just you and me, sport. Teach him, god damn it. And so I'll say back to him this great guest, it's just him and me, sport. Teach me, god damn it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is editor, writer, film critic, podcaster of consequence of Sound, Michael Rothman. Welcome to one heat minute. Thank you for having
1: me. Jeez, what a great intro. That's, that might be the, the, my favorite intro I've ever had on a podcast. This is, this is wonderful. Thank you. Thank well, you.
0: <laughs> you're well deserving. I said to Mike, uh, Michael, just off air, that the awesome Mike Vanderbilt, who you guys will be hearing, uh, has just been on the show. And just as we stop recording, we usually have a bit of a chinwag or before the show. And Mike said, Blake, there's two men that I feel like I've taken a spot out of their, them being on the show. They are Michael Rothman and John Abrams. Um, and I was immediately said, give me the spelling of those names. I'm following them up. What are their <laughs> Twitter handles? If they're our people. They need to be on this show. And Michael, since following everything up, of course, you, you most certainly are. Um, man, being a Chicago native, we were talking just before the show was recording and I had to stop and interrupt that conversation because it was too good. To not re-recording. So, um, folks, it's my pleasure to talk to Michael. We're gonna, uh, we've are gonna, we been already chit-chatting, so I'm going to dive in really quickly to the minute itself. Um, it is a jam-packed minute, and then totally. I will jump into everything, man, his history, this minute, and everything that is to discuss about this wonderful film. So, Michael and I are going to watch this, you guys are going to listen along, and then we're going to come back and talk about it.
1: Down, down put hand down got... down down i always wonder how heavy those bags must have been
0: heavy like 13 million bucks <laughs> so it's, it's so many people talk about it. it's like what is you know what does 13 million dollars look like i think that's one thing in like movies that you know a million dollars used to look like an entire an yeah. entire room. But here $13 million of like hundreds or thousands of dollars of bills or whatever it is, they're just these big epic bricks, like heavy yeah. bricks of money. And it's it makes total sense.
1: And it's so great because you know Kilmer is tasked with having to bag all the money. And I always wonder also while watching it, just how many takes they had to do with him just perfectly wrapping that cash. And I know Kilmer is like an MVP in in terms of, (laughs) you know, precision and just really gets into his characters, whether it's, you know, Jim Morrison or even, um, something fun, like in kiss, kiss, bang, bang, gay Perry. Before you
0: even said it, Michael, this is how I know this is a perfect, perfect pairing for this show. It's like, I was thinking gay Perry, say gay Perry, say gay Perry. Yeah. I love, him, love gay Perry.
1: Um, Yeah, I I, I just I imagine he (laughs) probably spent a whole weekend just like tackling this like fake bag of cash. It just all right, I can do this. I can do this. And he flips it over, puts it in, flips it over, puts it in. And he probably did. I wouldn't even be surprised if he did it for like 12 hours somewhere on his ranch (laughs) when he was just practicing this or in his hotel room while they were filming. But that is just this specific uh, minute. That's the one thing I think about it is just a how heavy those bags are, and B, how tough it must have been to just perfectly place that bag over that cash, uh, because it's just, it's so precise. And that's what ma- that's what man wants is he wants that sort of militaristic um, precision, you know. And and then you get that even just in this one minute. I mean, they're so cold and severe here. Uh, even even uh, De Niro, who's so quiet, he's like you know like to borrow from not to you know he's an illusion and collateral, but he is like a kind of like a coyote or a wolf. Like he is just this, this lone silent person. And he's even here, he's this very like kind of just severe and, and just loud. And just, and just yeah, just these very, you get the sense that these are just no nonsense guys. And one of the things I can't stand so much with bank robberies now in movies is that they're usually kind of funny and lovable. And these yes. guys are not like no, at like, all. Like <laughs>
0: as soon as, as soon as the, Uh, the main crowd control bit which happens in the lead up to this minute and as we dive into this minute and we sort of get that to to use your turn of phrase that predilection with objects we get that um that really cool circular key like into the into the safe i like that that little touch because you see it and then the the decision to have the camera sort of pick up its momentum from behind Kilmer's shoulders and move and follow him into the safe is great. And I don't know about you, as a person who's moved a bunch of times, I'm like, where does he get those bags? Like, I want to know, like, yeah. because <laughs> that's the best bag ever. It's like a giant thing that can carry the bricks of money. And you can't go into a store and go, hey, do you guys have the heat? like the heat bags, like <laughs> yeah. the bags that bag tons of bricks of cash. Like I want one of those so I can fold it up into a tiny briefcase and then also carry a massive, like a massive thing of cash. But like one of the things that I keep hearing is like um, Tom Sizemore's Michael's got this like golem voice almost. as like, if you look yes. at it, I'll kill you. And I, in all of the other scenes when – Neil Neil's in charge. De Niro. It's much more measured and controlled. Get down. Stay down. Mm. Get down. Stay down. And and then so Sizemore's got that that little screw loose that you can tell is in his character. It's it's happening off camera and you can only hear it in his voice. If you look at me, I'll kill you. Get your head down. Get your as like being hyper aggressive, like really trying to strike fear into these people. Such a, and I agree. This is there's no love. About, <laughs> there's nothing lovable about the guys <laughs> no, with the masks no, and no. the machine like, guns in this moment. Like you're not going to, you're not
1: going to like be able to get a smile and just be like, you know, a push down. Like these guys are going to, they're going to shoot you like if they have to. And, you know, you get it in previous scenes for sure with, especially with Sizemore's character, because he's not exactly, um, a hot trigger per se, but, uh, he, he's, he's just easily the one that's so invested in this. Like this is, this is his lifeblood more than even anyone for, for sure. I would imagine because, you know even earlier he's just like this is this this is just totally worth it for me like i have to do this like he doesn't give a shit about the consequences he's no. just he's gonna do this and with this even just this little minute clip he's terrifying i mean and granted he i mean sizemore pretty much a visceral force even without having any sort of character attached to him and especially <laughs> in the 90s he was just such a brutal guy But, um, you know, like anyone in in a Michael Mann movie, like he did his research, too. And I think it definitely carries out in this scene because I know that um, prior to filming, I I just think anyone at this point, like I think Mann's sort of um, reputation kind of spoke for himself. So everyone was just a researcher on their own. And I know that Sizemore especially, like he was like going into prisons, he was hanging out with convicts, like he was interviewing convicts. And you get that sense of sort of realism with him here in just this little clip. And He's just he feels like like you feel like you're watching just actual footage from a bank heist like that's actually happened in the past. And that's that sort of realism is one of the reasons why I feel like heat has probably transcended any of the movies of the 90s or any of the bank heist movies for sure, because it just is so gripping in the sense of of um, naturalism. Like it, this this it does this doesn't really feel
0: like a movie, even though it's all it's, it's incredibly cinematic by nature. It It does feel so real and it's anchored in i think exactly what you said is the authenticity of the people that are portraying the characters because there's that clinical thing that's happening you know with each character and neil being so precise and so sure and so you know he's he's sort of deathly calm like he said he's like a wolf because he's just sort of he'll stalk in and he'll do what he needs to do and he's sort of striking fear he doesn't have to there's not a lot of big gestures and you've got this crowd control guy being sized more like really you know he's he's the threat he's the yeah. keeping people up. Um, uh, on On the edge of their seat or on the edge totally. of their desk the entire time because you 're like i don 't know what this guy 's actually going to do in this sequence, but I think that that 's a really good note about great heist movies is that heist are manifests of the characters who are conducting them. So it's really mm-hmm. true to the heat heist that these guys are so good at what they do that we just like watching them be good. Like they're actually yeah. good at it. And so yeah. unless the characters really, you know, in a more recent film, which I think is equally good, um, well, you know, equally good at portraying that uh, the characters in the heist and um, is something like Widows because the characters all yeah. aren't professional. So they are bad. They're not clinical. They are nervous. Mm-hmm. They... Fumble, And I think the, mm-hmm. the characterization of how they conduct a heist makes total sense to their character, in which case it's equally as engaging. Where something like you watch like Ocean's 8, which is fun and very passable as a film. You watch that and it just happens with su- such effortlessness and ease that you're like, this <laughs> yeah. is boring. Like it's like paint yeah. by numbers. I know what's going to happen. I've seen it all happen before. And it's it's not even fun while it's happening. It's just kind of like meh. And so I think in here... That's why it's like, uh, I, I think we've talked about it a couple of times on the show leading up. I'm trying to map out exactly what we've said, but like it was Dog Day Afternoon and that was the heist movie and then he yeah. took over and there really hasn't been the heist movie since Heat. There hasn't. Changed.
1: No, like it's funny because I think in the, um, in episode 102 of your podcast, I think they, you were talking about how like, you know, obviously like Christopher Nolan took this and ran with it for the Dark Knight. and. Yes. And and I, so that's why you I mean you can't even really attribute the, the Dark Knight as being like the next Heist thing because it really is just like a carbon copy of Heat. I mean they even have um, William Fichtner yes, <laughs> in better. the intro as like an homage of sorts. Um, and I remember even being in the theaters at the time and like when it premiered in 2008 and I went to like the midnight screening for it and just freaking out and just like turning to my friends and be like, this is heat. This is heat. Like, you don't get, like, do you get it? This is heat. And, um, and, and so, and it's, and it's, and I, and even widows, like I have loved widows and I could absolutely see how Steve McQueen got influenced by that too. But the difference is like what you're saying, like you're watching, it's almost like watching, um, with heat, you're like watching like a, an MVA. Like an NBA finals game. Yeah. With like, you know, LeBron James like um leading the way. And you're like, what are these like the 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 tension is mostly like, are is everyone gonna be on their A game? Um, because we expect them to. And then like with Widows, it's this underdog story, like almost like a regular, like a really great, like regular season game
0: where you're just kind of like
1: Oh man, like they're really, they're, they're doing this. Like, let's hope they
0: don't (laughs) screw this. Like,
1: like they're going to do this. I can't believe they're They're
0: they're competing with the Golden (laughs) State Warriors. Like, I can't believe it. Like surely, surely, surely they can, they're not going to overcome this. Yeah. You really, you're in it because, and you're really rooting for them because it's just so drastically unexpected or as an NFL, as an NFL reference for me who in Oz follows NFL. It's like, it's like watching the Redskins win. Now we know that they're not going to win most of the time. And in fact, they're going to play very poorly. But when they do win, and especially when they're on their fourth quarterback in five weeks, you get excited. You're like, "Oh my god,
1: they can do this!" What, what's so interesting I love about so much of Michael Mann's movies is that you know he doesn't care about like redemption. He doesn't care no. about the the morals of these characters. And like majority of his roles, you know, he's I mean, he's a masculine filmmaker. I mean, the majority of his protagonists, if not all of them, are male, and they come from this sense of place of like this 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 gritty realism that they also have stories and they also have things at stake and you know on the surface you'd say well, these guys are kind of like you know miserable people but he does such a good job getting you to that place where you actually do like really care and you fall in love with them and and, and you really care about the stakes. And at this point, I mean, this is like halfway through the film, if not a little bit lo- like later on. It's mo- far more than halfway through, through, the, through the film. You already know every one of the stories for each one of these characters. And you know their personalities to such a T um, because you've lived with them for so long that you know that those bonds are so important. And seeing them interact in this is like kind of like. What we're saying with sports, it's like you know we follow along on the, the you know the PR line. Like we know what these with these guys have been you know going through the whole season, and to see them all put it out on the field, this is that scene. And you know it's we know what Macaulay has at stake. You know we we know what the uh, Sizemore and Kilmore uh, Kilmer have at stake, and there's so much tension that's just innate that is heightened by Brian Eno's um, was it Force Marker? Yes, and
0: it's just it's it's like almost the like, pulse of this entire scene. It's actually raising yes, your heart rate to like 120 beats a minute, and you don't even realize that it's doing it while you're sitting in your movie seat. It's crazy.
1: Because because you know that like it's it's such a it's such a good setup too. Because you know the the heist would just be such a an elaborate collusion a conclusion for for so many movies. And with this, it's just like it's this pivotal halfway point a little bit more maybe it's called like a 65 percent 70 percent of the way through the movie yeah. and you get you, you get it, it, it becomes this like bridge to this next chapter and you know where You know that something is going to go wrong, even if you're watching this for the first time, because there's just been too much weight that's been put on Pacino's squad for them not to have some sort of idea of what's going to happen here. Like if, if something doesn't happen here, then the movie seems kind of pointless.
0: It does. And, um, and you're also kind of, what's, what's so great is the tension that's internalized for you because you want them to get away with it. And literally we've been watching, if you count, I think it's about two minutes and 10 seconds is the entire heist so far. They've already got one guy walking out the door. Yeah. Like from 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 crowd control to getting everything done to getting into the safes, Neil is going and taking a point slot with a bag of cash on his back. So two thirds of the team has the cash that they need on their back. Michael is mm-hmm. walking out the door. Like he's he's literally going as we you know, as we trail off into this final moment. Like that's it is it, it is what it is, you know, he's walking out the door. But I, I I that's what I love about this is that in all of the for all of the drama the drama and for the great the the great sense of place, there's also this sense of time. Like this has only been a, a minute. It's only been two minutes. Like yeah. literally they've walked into a bank and they're going to walk out in under five minutes and they've yeah. taken 13 million bucks and they've incapacitated the security guards and the bank manager and they've c- controlled the crowd and they're in and out and so because it's
1: because he knows that like i mean just in hindsight alone we know that this was not going to be the focal point of this scene no. the scene the, the focal point is going to be the gun shoot the, you know the yeah. the, the shootout yes. and which is why it's so elaborate and it actually lasts quite a while um and and it it's so they it, it, it was also interesting about the scene is it's silent for the most part um with the exception of the score like you know granted there there's it's it's punctuated by um you know uh, Sizemore's uh, growls and, and just the ordering that they have around the people. But for the most part, it's, it's like the calm before the calm before the crazy storm that's going to be happening. And, and,
0: and Val and Kilmer that, doesn't that, need to say a word like he's, he knows, no. and, and there's no, he's not. And what I love about Val, just to go back to that science you talk about, it's that the science breeds proficiency because he walks in, he's not looking at plans. He's not looking at his hand. He's not, he knows where things are. That's what I love is like, he walks straight out the back. He knows what key to use. He knows exactly where the safe is. He's not asking for directions or making... That's what, I again, with the bank manager, like, stay there, lay there, let it bleed. Like, I don't need you to show me where the safe is. I already know where it is. I'm going to yeah. go take this money. Which,
1: Which is hilarious, too, because, I mean, we know as a viewer that, you know, Macaulay's got all the goods, he's got all the information based on just even what John Boyd's been able to set up for them and everything, but... What What's also interesting is that, you know, that could just be so construed as just exposition, but it's really earned because, yeah, like you're saying, like these characters have an idea of where to go. And it goes back to kind of the research. I mean, Sizemore apparently had cased the bank,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is amazing. Like, and it totally plays off here. I mean, you, you get the this sense of, of purpose about him that I don't really think you'd have with just traditional blocking that, you, that a director would give. Like, there there's this innate sort of um, understanding of the the whole facility that that really comes through in the way that they they move and they they glide through this this area and you know I think in lesser hands that they, they would just be like all right let's do another take until we get it looking like it it looks really precise but no 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 this is like it's almost like this like research chore like
0: choreography in a way. And it's, it's so, this is, it's how, like, so hip. this is how they partially funded the film. <laughs> they just yeah. had the guys actually take down the bank.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> because, yeah, well, Cause they, know, look pretty, they, look growth, yeah. they
0: look pretty, they look pretty convincing to me. They do. Right. <laughs> and knowing man, it probably is real cash. Um, but, <laughs> Absolutely. Know, it's, and it's so funny. Cause we just briefly uh, touched on collateral earlier, but I'll just bring it back around. It's like, you know, the, the thing that I think really, and, and it, it It operates on sort of a higher level, uh, just this higher frequency, I think, in Heat, more than any other film, just every single element. But even Collateral, which is a tremendously entertaining and just phenomenal watch, um, Tom Cruise's preparation, the biggest movie star in the world, was to sneak into places as a courier. Like it's he was great. doing things like going into places, into a hotel and like sneaking through and walking into the back kitchen and not getting asked any questions. And that was like a little mini test. And they had people with hidden cameras, like watching him to see if he could sort of talk and bluff his way through places and not be recognized, you know, fake beards, hats, you know, sunglasses, et cetera. And so it's that level of like, how prepared are you to, to how, how, how at how at ease and how comfortable are you going to look in every sequence you know Muhammad Ali 11 months Will Smith trained in the gym fight training and voice training and so when you see him move those feet and you see him throw those right hand leads and you see him talking that magnificent um, drawl of Ali's that it's it's all perfect and it feels Mm -hmm. so comfortable it's there's an immediate distance that's sort of closed off and you're like okay I, I, my, my suspension of disbelief is perfect. Now I can, I can totally believe that this is, this is the guy, this is, I don't have to, there's not any, you know, J Edgar, um, weird makeup that's going to completely distract me in the third act and make me just go, what no, the hell no. is going on? It's, it's, it's people in real spaces making it feel really, really authentic and really real.
1: Which is why I think in the, like historically for, for man or even traditionally, like he works with, with a specific type of actor, you know, and I, and i do wonder if that's been one of the reasons why maybe some of the past few films of his have been um you know uh, under a more critical eye because i mean as you like all the the actors that you mentioned already i mean like tom cruise's mo is is to be as research driven as possible just yes. like michael mann you know like i mean we especially we see it now because it it almost seems like the making of Mission Impossible is more entertaining than the actual <laughs> movie at this point, um, you know. So that's kind of watching him see. jump out of
0: a, tra- of a plane like thirty times, and you're like, well, you're Oh in yeah, that case. yeah, I agree. I, mean, I almost had a, a more profound response at home checking out the Blu-ray extras. That was just like, Oh, absolutely. This guy's a lunatic. I,
1: <laughs> I mean, it, even with like you know with Will Smith, who's who's been absolutely determined, and he's very picky in his in selecting his roles, it's he's just the perfect, 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 uh, you know, pair. From Michael Mann and, um, and, and that's why I think even with like, um, public enemies in 2009, like, you know, you get like Christian Bale who, who he delivers seems like a man probably God. more. A man. Yeah. He's, oh, absolutely. And like, God. and that's absolutely like, which is why I think he's like the standout of that movie because, you know, granted, I mean, Johnny Depp gives it his all with, with a lot of his, his films too. And I'm not going to discredit him despite even any of the context that's been going on with him lately. But like it's just it's just so interesting to know that like we, we that movie and just knowing how kind of man acts as a and what he requires of his actors. It's like, of course, Bale is going to be the one that comes out as an MVP because that's he's at that level. Like yes. he's going to be willing to put in, you know, the to go to that 25th hour of research for himself. And it totally shows. And with this, it's it's such a I think not a lot of people ever really put too much thought into like this type of ensemble for he of just how perfectly curated this movie is like with with regards to the positions of like the different actors and actresses like you know the even something small like um uh like a god like even noonan for like the one role that he has where he's just on the the porch with all the the used up like computers that are sitting there he he has this sort of silent sort of knowledge about him like oh this guy is someone that has probably been up here on these hills and has done multiple like heists and like in the past like he is a veteran here and i'm sure tom noonan put more research into that three minute four minute scene than (laughs) anything that he did he had done in like other roles outside of that like and it's just i love that and i and, and and this film is just a great Rose gallery of actors that are willing to go and deliver 110%, which is why I think he does stand out amongst its uh, you know, amongst other movies by man, because you just have so many people going the extra mile for sure. We, the we
0: Jericho just, mile. We, we but... just an extra Jericho mile. We just have to <laughs> yeah. talk about casting director Bonnie Timmerman in there as well. Because yeah. Michael Mann obviously, you know, um and him and Art Linson had the two main guys, but Bonnie Timmerman was the casting director. And you're so right. It's literally It's about the chemistry. It's so important when you've got such powerhouses, like a De Mm -hmm. De Niro and a Pacino up top, to who complements them. Because Mm -hmm. we see it in other big movies where they're kind of left alone and they drown. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was one of the, you know, a masterstroke of something like Lincoln for Spielberg. Because, you know, at that time it's Daniel Day-Lewis and he's so big and it's like, who do I... I need people who can actually stand toe-to-toe with this guy and have a scene. Mm -hmm. Because if they're intimidated, he's going to eat them. You know, like yeah, and, and oh, totally. And that's the whole, you know, the lore of the Paul Thomas Anderson having to recast, um, recast folk for There Will Be Blood, like the original mm-hmm. child actor just not being not being up to snuff. And you know, and, and in the nicest possible way, and with deep respect to that person, but like <laughs> yeah. just people not being up to snuff. And that's where you get someone like Paul Dano, and you go, wow, that guy's going to have a long and enduring career because he could just stand, he could be in the same. Space and not have not just be eroded because there's just so much going on. So, Noonan, you're exactly right. Like, he's a guy who is in, you know, he's not going to be intimidated by De Niro. He's even, no, even no. his wheelchair bound presence, his beard, he's got that. He's just, you just want to, you know, he's right there. John Voigt as well. Like, you know, there's, there's sort of a fraternal reverence in a way that, you know, De Niro mm-hmm. has because like he was, he was the guy, you know, when, yeah. when he was coming up. So, there's the, you just pick these little master stroke key individuals. Um, and, you know, Wes Studi, Michael T. Williamson, Ted Levine in, in, the, in the opposite camp. Um, and that's why you love Val Kilmer so much to your point. He's just, that's where you know how good he was at that time. This like 95 yeah. peak Val Kilmer, standing right toe-to-toe with De Niro, just smiling at him like he can focus, he can do everything. He's not in- intimidated. But to the same point, Size More. Being so great, like folding, you know, not not having, (laughs) not being able to um, not being able to say everything, not knowing, having all the answers, not being as assertive, so great.
1: Oh yeah, and and it bleeds into the narrative for sure because I mean like, look, you're dealing with the best of the best on both sides, and to have that sort of realism, even just from the performance angle, it 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 adds to the movie, and and I don't think this film would work. I mean, it didn't work because I mean, I, I look, I love, I love um you know, uh, even the, the, the TV adaptation of this, uh, with that, he did LA takedown, like that's, it's, it's, it's a great TV movie, but you watch those scenes and no. even though it's for TV, they lack the depth that any of this movie has. And, and, and I wouldn't even just blame it on the TV medium because if you go back to like Miami vice, who you have actors that are really like going to that they have that sort of endurance that we're talking about you know like don johnson and and, and it's not surprised why don johnson would go work with quentin tarantino d- down the road because he has that endurance and he you know so like even like when you look at the tv medium for for la takedown which i guess was in in the, in the long run just became like the pitch for, um, video <laughs> yeah. for, for the, the, Man. The, the
0: the live action animatic of what we're going to do here in, <laughs> except we're going to we're going we're gonna to add this chop that this is where it didn't work so we're going to fix it
1: and it just doesn't it doesn't have that sort of gravitas that that this film has. And I mean, obviously, uh, like that's a duh because you were dealing with A-list actors and stuff. But then again, on, the, on that same note, like there's been so many instances where A-list actors just kind of topple over the screen where you just see them trying too hard. And then as you were pointing out, like it, it almost intimidates the actor who's just sitting there with starry eyes. And while that makes for a great behind the scenes interview where they're like, Oh my gosh, it was great working with Al Pacino. It doesn't make for a fun performance. No. Like when you're watching it, you know, it just seems like everyone's at a camp and just enjoying the, you know, whoever's coming in and just dazzling the the students. And uh, that's not the case ever. And he, I, I never get the sense, even with Natalie Portman, um, uh. Who's so young in this, like, I never even get the sense that she's in this like sort of like this guffaw, like, oh, my God, I'm I'm, I'm, you know, along with all these veterans that are so good. Like, no, everyone is just confident. And like, that's so great. I I just like I think that's I think that really makes the film stand the test of time because it's just everyone's firing on all cylinders, you know, no pun intended
0: yeah right. and we're about to see the <laughs> fire on all the cylinders oh i know absolutely shred la to, to this downtown la to pieces yeah um it's this this film um never ceases to amaze me with um what moments that people are drawn to and i wanted to get you on the show quickly so we've gotten to talk about this specific minute but i'm interested michael what's When you reflect back, you've watched this movie a stack of times. What are the Mm -hmm. scenes that, uh, well, what's your scene right now that just sticks out to you and, like, that's the scene of this movie? Because I think that that's one thing that I like to ask folk who come on the show because mine changes. And so I wonder if yours has changed or whether there's, you've got a scene of the movie uh, that, you know, you're kicking around at the moment that's your scene of the movie.
1: I. Really, just love um, the scenes with uh, Eddie McCaulay. like the especially when they first meet and they're out on his balcony and they're talking about, you know, he's like, I'm, you know, I'm alone, but I'm not lonely. And those that just that whole it, it summarizes so much of why I love Michael Mann's movies is because he gets to this masculinity is such a you know obviously there's been so much talk lately about like toxic masculinity on screen and i never get the sense of that in any of his movies because yeah. masculinity is used as a form of like it's almost effeminate in a way in the way that like there's they're willing to 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 like put their heart on their sleeve no matter how stoic and mass like uber masculine they may he's appear a and, he's a massive romantic he's a, oh, he's absolutely. he's a,
0: and those things you're talking about are as romantic as it yes. gets like watch, and, last, and of the, my watch last of the mohicans again and yep. if that's not one of the greatest <laughs> romances you've ever seen, oh, I don't know. I don't, you're dead inside. I don't know. I mean, Madeline Stowe, Daniel Day-Lewis, those scenes where death is on their door at the fort. It's just like, that's what There's life's just, about. He,
1: he's just so obsessed with this idea of of tragic romance and just like the the the, the love that's not supposed to, you know, that's not meant to be. That it's it's a it is a crime to just call his movies crime films or thrillers because they really are dramas they're legit dramas and you know you watch like even Manhunter like he, it's there's obviously with Will Graham and his wife are going to stay together in the end but it's the most surprising element in that whole movie is just watching Dollarhide have his own romance and this thing that is never going to last like they are witnessing the sunset together with you know him and, and um, you know his blind lover and. And there's something so tragic and sad about it. This is a life that this guy could have had had he not followed down this, the tunnel that he was going. And that's kind of the same thing that happens in Heat It's with, with Macaulay and Edie. That's the same thing that happens with, even like his later films, like with Black Hat, the ending of uh, Public Enemies with Myron Cochyard, the with P- Miami Vice. Miami which Vice has with, a great one. The, thing the that, Gong Lee and
0: Colin Farrell. That's, a, that's, a, that's a great one. That's a great one.
1: And, and, it, and it kills me when people say, Oh, this was nothing like the TV show. I was like, "Well, you didn't watch the TV show then, because <laughs> the TV show—the core themes and tenets of that sh- that show—are all over that movie. And that's all Michael Mann took. He didn't need to take the glossy sort of '80s thing because we've seen that. He took the themes of that movie and that shot with when it's playing Maguire like
0: yes. at the end,
1: and the two of them are leaving. Like that is Miami Vice, and there's and it's and it's so, and that's what made that show so great, especially earlier seasons, was when they were able to kind of task the 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 love to kind of take a priority over the actual crime that was drawing everyone in and for me when i think of heat it's just that it's it's not the tragedy of of oh here's a guy that's going to give it his all in his height in this heist it's oh here's a tragedy of this is a life that he could have had and he can't get rid of it because work always comes first and and i almost feel like that kind of gets at what man has been at his whole life maybe maybe there's something autobiographical about that because it just it has to be because it's been in every one of his movies like even thief i mean he he literally torches his entire life <laughs> at the end of that movie and says goodbye to this you know his wife and and his child and um his foster child and, and it's just every one of his movies has that and even if the insider for the most part um
0: but they're trying. Though, they're, they're desperately trying. This is what's great about them is that they're. And in in heat, it starts off with a little bit more duplicity from Neil because he's trying to he's trying to he's trying to maintain a, a line between what he considers to be personal and professional. But then when the guys mm-hmm. cross the line, they just give them everything. They're like, "This is what yeah. I want, and this is why I'm mm-hmm. doing it, and I'm just going to give you it all. And if you don't want it, it's going to break my heart. But that's that's yeah. what it has to be. And this is yeah. and. And there's another tremendous scene later on in the film where just after after Vincent saves Lauren Natalie Portman's character from to yeah. suicide, and he and Justine are sitting in you know the waiting room at the local emergency room, and yep. she's like, "Can we make this work?" And the thing that you would desperately hope for, and it breaks my heart even thinking about it, it makes me smile because like I want to laugh awkwardly because of how emotional it makes me feel, but it's like she, he's like, "No, you 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 you." nailed me i am exactly what i'm going after yeah so this is not going to work and it's he's so sure he's absolutes he's so sure he's like it's over you know it's over and in this moment this is the best of what i can be
1: yeah because i mean all for the most part in his films they tend to be professionals at the top tier level and when you're a professional at a top tier level i feel it's got to be reality has to be what you can prioritize and yes for these people these 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 realities are they have to deal in absolutes like it has to be this or nothing and it's like the, the whole summation of the of heat of just you know if you can't walk away from something within 30 seconds you know like that's that's just the crux of every one of his stories <laughs> for the most part and and i love that and i and and that so that just seeing them on the balcony not only captures that 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 feeling of a, of a budding romance which is arguably the greatest feeling that anyone can have as a human being but it's it's also just with turd's Rid, ridpole i can't ever say his, his name right but uh ripped all in the chasers like the music he uses there which is like last night or um later on uh mystery man when, when they're talking about before they go in the tunnel those that like that sort of jazzy um uh signature guitar like it just Kind of plucks at the heartstrings of all the characters there, in addition to the viewer. And so, when I think of Heat, that's those are the the first things I think of for sure. And and it's and especially that last glance that he gives her
0: before he has before to just run goes. off in the crowd. Uh, it's just It just kills me. Kills oh, me every time. Kills me every time. Yeah. I'm actually I don't know how I'm going to react in the shows for those minutes. I just don't yeah. even. I don't even know what I'm going to be like because I think that that's one of these great things in these movies. Is like. Of all the tension we build up, you know, in those final moments, these gestures, and I think at the end of this sequence, I'm really looking forward to chatting. Um, just the fallout, because we've seen in the early, yeah. you know, at the beginning of this minute, you see Edie just putting, you know, doing a mundane task, putting away books. Mm-hmm. You see Charlene feeding Dominic, you know, uh, uh, Charlene Shahelas uh, uh, being Ashley Judd feeding their their son, just mm-hmm. breakfast. It's all very normal, um, and these guys go do their normal job. That they do because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is normal for them, but the fallout is so great because of how the entanglement, right? It's like we know that yeah. Neil's got this romance here, and I just love that little echo of a reminder. It doesn't take long to do, and it's extremely effective. Um, and I think it's just a, a, a part, part and parcel of that sort of epic um, storytelling. I got to speak to Dante Spinotti, quick digression I for those who are listening, which is, <laughs> amazing, which is amazing, <laughs> amazing. And one thing yeah. that he confirmed about Michael Mann's method, and I think it makes total sense and probably people may have covered it before, but I just want to reinforce is that, and, and, and listening to it again when I was editing, was that man maps out the emotional trajectory of every scene and the mm-hmm. emotions that he wants you to be feeling in that moment as an audience member. And so I think that yeah. that's probably why in his most sort of accomplished films that I think that maybe that command of what, you wanted, what he wants you to be feeling, you are feeling. In every yeah. one of those moments, and it's very, and and and, and um, it's. I, I love that it's very, um, it's very, dis- it's very distinct. It's it's very, you know, uh, he he's not just thinking about the precision of this heist necessarily. He's thinking about what emotions do I want the audience to be feeling while they're mm-hmm. viewing this heist as well. And so in this moment, I'm like, I love going back to that point. It's like he wants you to be rooting for these guys to win this heist. We want yeah. them to win. Um, we know they're not going to. You even have that, you know, that sense of dread if this is the first time. I can't imagine. I don't. I, I wish I could go back. I wish I could, like, Men in Black, like, just wipe <laughs> it. After this show, yeah. 170 episodes, just someone get me the Men in Black thing so I can just wipe my memory and watch this movie again <laughs> from the start and be completely fresh because it's impossible to be so far. But I just love that, you know, in this moment you're like, oh, I... I think they're going to get away with this.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it, there's the best movies make you feel as if that's going to happen every time you watch them. Um, it, it, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, the ending of last crusade where, when he's when uh, Indiana Jones is reaching for the Holy grail. I, yes. I, every time I still think, well, maybe he, maybe, maybe he's <laughs> going to get, no, it's like, no, he's not going to get it. He's going to get pulled up and he's gonna realize he needs to be with his father. Uh, but it, but the movie, the best films, just get they have that energy and spirit that just renews it you know and and he does that for sure for me like I mean I, I by the time we get to the the ending of the film and you know there's the Moby starts playing I it doesn't matter how many times I've seen this it still feels as if well maybe you know m- m- maybe there is hope like no yeah it's over it's it's he's going it's got it's done it's over it's over it's over it's like it's gonna happen and like he's 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 fading away and this is it and and it, and it hits me emotionally every time and like the same way and like there's never a lessen, lessening effect like I know I don't ever get tired of it and and I think that being able to have that that sort of renewal is absolutely the mark of just a great film and that's kind of what I look for mostly when it, it just as a critic alone is if uh, that's why I feel like it's so hard to watch a movie once and then review it because you really can't tell about the value of or the, the cachet of a film until you've actually sit, sat with it for like a long period of time. And
0: I've been really lucky know, in this project, to, yeah. to, to to really take you know the. Um, there's been so many great like quotes. I think Anthony Lane from the from um, the New Yorker used to say that you have to review a movie the day it comes out or in ten mm-hmm. years. Like He had an absolute thing about that, and I think that in a lot of ways, he's right. Oh, absolutely. And you need to, there needs to be this sort of immediacy, you know, you're trying to place it, and as a critic, you're trying to place it, but I think the the thing I relish as both a critic who reviews things that as they come week in, week out, um, and a person who can take my time on it. For especially an amazing film, one that you've gotten to sit with over and over again, one that you've gotten to watch over and over again, to still be to still have value in every scene, and you and I mm-hmm. talking about you know the choreography, the pacing, the 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 music, the different authenticities of each of the characters, and the motions and the movements of Kilmer putting bagging that money and the weight, you know, feeling like you feel what the weight is of that money, you know, I think that. Um, i'm really lucky with this project that it gives you the opportunity to flex and play you know uh with a with another dance partner to sort of teach you know d- to teach about each scene and and um yeah like he does only that's why you know if people ever ask me why this movie i'm like because it just won't go away like, no it won't. <laughs> like in my in my conceptions i w- like if I look at the shelf, and I don't know about you, Michael, if you've got the same thing, I've got a, a smaller shelf with like some of my favorite films on there, things yeah. that I often revisit. And if I catch heat in my glance, especially prior to starting this project and now because of the project, but prior to this project, if I couldn't decide, it was always heat. I just put it on. Yeah. And my wife and, would go, and, what it's... are you doing? Stop watching this.
1: <laughs> what? Well, it's so great too because it, it really is. If you're talking about it in a variety of ways, heat is such a good medium for discussion and and it's for one it's long and yeah. so if you're doing it one by one minute after a time there's you have so much opportunity to really discuss not only just the film itself but man at large and also just his influence prior and you know into the future after heat you know prior and post heat to you just get so much time like to to kind of meditate on just the influence of it and. I wouldn't be surprised if you know half of the episodes that you've done like have gone on to talk about things that are so separate and remote from heat oh, that yeah. uh, that, and that and that and that just but you can tie it back almost like a six degrees it's kevin bacon and then <laughs> and i found myself doing that all the time with his works you know because i mean dark knight is just the only influence that you could have that you can tag on this i mean you could even look at like something that was released this past year with like the old man the gun with uh rob redford now granted that's a f- far more um goes back into the whole charming thing that we were talking about it um with uh with bank heist but it gets to that idea of here's a guy that can't quit what he loves doing and that's yes. goes back into everything that man's been portraying in every one of his works. And so yeah, I think it's a really smart vessel. And I am really interested to see what happens when you get towards the end when you have like several minutes of just this this re- you're just kind of simmering in that sort of emotion that you know you and Spinati was talking were talking about because that ending is very long and it's going to, you know, it goes through pretty much almost all of, um, uh, I mean, just, just them standing there, I think it's like a few, few minutes. You're gonna have like a, you know, a few minutes two, to really kind of relish. There's
0: two final minutes. There's two final minutes. I think it's the 164th and 165th minute of this show. <laughs> That's I'm, awesome. I'm gonna, uh, the, that are, that are waiting and, uh, waiting precisely for that, for that, crescendo stewing yeah. in in that emotion um, yeah sorry 165th and 66th minute um right nice. and nice. and uh um yeah i I'd, it's going to be such a, a crazy um experience to to sort of try and try and dissect objectively and and, and not go too emotional about just what a profound yeah. and, and and what it, what it is is like the profound performances and and this profound movie. Look, Mike, this has been too much fun. So this has been a blast. This has been so much fun. There are more minutes that have gaps, and I want you to come back. Please come back. I'm going to put you in in one of those final. We're going to final hit that crescendo. If I can, if there's oh, no one, that. if there's no one on right this moment, I've got to find it. If there's no one on the glance between Neil and Edie, it's you. I'd love you to come oh, back. Nice. I would love to be on, absolutely. So guys, this has been another episode of One Hit Minute. Michael Rothman, you can find him at consequencesound.net. You can also find him on the Twitters at Michael rothman. Um, um, I, I just wanted to say a huge thank you. Thank you to Mike Vanderbilt for putting me on to Michael. This has been a great convo. I hope you guys have had as much fun listening to it as I've had talking to Michael. Um, Michael, is there any other any other plugs, any other things you want to get in there before we jump off? Well, if you love podcasts, you love our uh, podcast at Consequences Sound. We've we've got uh, the
1: Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast that I'm a co-host on, and uh, Halloweenies, which is uh, a Michael Myers podcast that's going to be soon becoming a, a Freddy Krueger podcast next year for 2019. <laughs> so we got We got a lot of great podcasts on our um, on our network. That's just it's it's been a year of podcasts for us at Consequence, so it's it's been fun. So and
0: yeah. so with that, check out oneheatminute.com. Um, everything for Consequence, including the, the subscription links to those podcasts, will be up there as well. Um, a little bio for Michael, so you can check it out. And I will link you into to um, a couple of recent news items with my favorite line, as I said, man's ADH predilection to random objects, which we're just unpacking in this show minute by minute as we go. Um, and uh, a couple of other posts up there from Consequence on man, which is always good stuff. Michael, thank you so much for being a part of the show again. Folks, I've been Blake Howard. At Blake is Batman if you want to find me on Twitter, but always onehitminute.com, and we'll catch you on another episode of One Hit Minute just around the corner.